IDs? Well, I've got my passport, my driver's license, my health card. I've got a million cards. I can't find my wallet most of the time, though. It doesn't make sense. Why do I have to constantly prove that I am me? I am me. One day it'll all be digital, though. Won't it? Digital ID makes life a lot easier for people. You will have the ability to share it and consent to sharing it and certain attributes of it with whoever you choose, whenever you choose. I'm a mother of three and I am very excited about having the potential to, at my fingertips, have and store my family's health cards, bank cards, etc. in a much more easy to access way. This is Beyond, a podcast exploring cybersecurity and business today, tomorrow and beyond. I'm Hartash Nijar, leader of KPMG Canada's national cybersecurity practice. Journey with me into the world of cybersecurity to understand the vital role it'll play in protecting our future. Imagine a world where you don't have to constantly search for identity documents or have the fear of losing a passport or a driver's license at exactly the wrong time. A world that makes government document renewals easy and even pleasant. And one where your personal information is safe and secure. That's the world we'll be discovering today. Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today to explore the world of cyber and innovation. I'm your host, Tamara Stanners, and in this four-part series, we'll be exploring the topic of digital identity, what it is, how it stands to change our lives, and what we can do to ensure our personal identities are protected well into the future. You'll have a chance to hear from specialists from across Canada, and also glimpse into our crystal ball to see their insights come to life. But before our journey takes us into the future, Let's consider for a moment how we've been proving our identities to this day. Identities today are issued in a way that is obviously more analog in nature, in Canada at least for now. That's Imran Bashir, KPMG in Canada's cybersecurity and digital identity specialist. We still get birth certificates when we're born, often a piece of paper that we bury somewhere in our closets and only have to dig up when we have to prove ourselves at a future time. Or permanent resident cards when we immigrate here as well. Those are what we call foundational pieces of identity. Everything else is derived from that, typically issued in some form of plastic. Before we arrived at this point, humans have had a long and storied history of proving who we are to one another. For example, some 100,000 years ago, people used jewelry to identify themselves, with ancient identity beads discovered in South Africa, Algeria, and Israel. Elsewhere, certain groups used visible tattoos to showcase their ancestry and status. And though today we have departed from these means, we still have a fair number of challenges linked to the physical nature of our identity system. Some of the pitfalls today, the fact that they are analog in nature, we often have to send copies or scans of these things all over the place. Think of the last time maybe you checked into a hotel, when you book a room, Things where you shared copies and who knows what happens to these copies or how they're stored or how long they're kept. I think the number of times I've had to share a scan of my driver's license for various reasons, certainly when opening a bank account, certainly when maybe renting a place back in university, 
All of these areas are ways in which we proliferate our data. And that to me is a bigger concern. We hear about all these data breaches almost every second day, it seems. These data breaches are there because we have these repositories of personal information that just sit there and sit there until they're ripe for the picking one day. And certainly we can't, on a personal level, keep track of all the places where we shared it. And certainly on the business side, to keep protecting these things in perpetuity certainly isn't cheap either. And the risks and issues of using physical documents for proving who we are don't stop there. I remember a time where I applied for a job and had to pull the diploma off of my wall to scan it and then bring a copy of it into the organization to show that I have it. I would love a world where I can just use a digital wallet and show that I have an authoritative attribute here that is issued by the university I went to. And if you think about the other end, how many people can maybe photocopy my same diploma and edit their name into it and use that on their job applications as well. So I think there's a big fraud reduction element on the receiver end of that kind of example. We'll dive deeper into the world of identity fraud and cybercrime in episode two. But in the meantime, I think we can all agree that our current identity validation methods are far from perfect. But then again, neither are we as humans. And herein lies the issue. Consider a situation like this. The 401 East moving slowly toward Pearson Airport today due to a collision. Expect delays. Shh, we're almost there. Please, just please stop crying. She's fed, changed, burped. I don't know what's bothering her so much. I just hope she'll calm down before we get to the airport. I really don't want to be those parents on the plane. We're flying with a newborn for the first time. Let's just say that if we're not those parents, it'll be a miracle. How are the roads this bad today? At this rate, we'll be glad if we make it to the airport at all. Please stop crying. Okay, let's get organized here so we can just get out and go when we get there. All right, let's see here. Keys, wallets, chargers, baby meds, an allergy list, nappies, and wet wipes. Passports. Did you grab them from the entryway shelf? I thought you took them. No, I specifically yelled at you on the way out to grab them. You didn't ask me to grab them. You told me I was in charge of grabbing the car seat and the luggage. You're kidding. Please tell me you grabbed the passports. In 800 meters, take the 409 West exit toward Pearson Airport. I didn't. I honestly thought you took them and put them in your purse. They aren't here. All right, guess we're turning around. Our flight is in three hours. If you've never been in this scenario before, it's very probable that you've still experienced something similar and probably at the least opportune time. Millions of Canadians have felt the burden of the constant need to remember pieces of physical ID and the repercussions of inevitably forgetting or losing them. Now, Let's see how this scene would have played out in a world enabled by digital ID. The 401 East moving slowly toward Pearson Airport today due to a collision. Expect delays. Uh, passports. We're all set, right? Yep, in our digital wallets, as well as our driver's licenses, health cards, SIN numbers, and birth certificate, because I know you'll ask. In 800 meters, take the 409 West exit toward Pearson Airport. Technological progress has propelled advancements in identity management throughout human history. With the advent of new record-keeping methods, the Babylonians conducted what's thought to be the first ever census, collecting valuable data on all its citizens. 
The invention of the photographic system in 1840 soon led to photo IDs. And the biometric discovery of fingerprints eventually brought us to being able to unlock our smartphones with our thumbs. In the same vein, digital identity technology stands to make a significant impact on our day-to-day -day lives. So let's start by defining it. Digital identity is, it's kind of an electronic representation of you, that you are who you say you are in an online context. The other caveat I would add to that is the word trusted in front of that. Trusted digital identity is something that is verified to a higher degree of confidence or higher degree of assurance. The reason I make that nuance is you can go tomorrow and create a social media account under Mickey323 at insert name of provider.com. This doesn't make you Mickey. That's some self-asserted identity you want to create for yourself. That is technically a digital identity. Is it something I would trust in any kind of transaction? No. In the analog world, we think of our driver's license, our passports, our health cards, things that are trusted pieces of plastic. When the online context, a trusted digital identity is an authoritative representation of those types of things. It has to be something unique. It can't be something that someone else owns. Otherwise, it's not really high confidence identities. A place for everything and everything in its place. If we're to have digital versions of our IDs, then we're going to need a place to store them. Enter the concept of a digital wallet. Think of it as your analog wallet or purse containing a whole bunch of different aspects of your life. My wallet has my health card, my driver's license, some credit cards, some cash, I think, if I still carry that, maybe a library card, things of that nature. In the digital wallet world, you can imagine the same kind of thing happening, but instead of a collection of cards, it's likely to become a collection of attributes instead. Attributes that make you, you. So whether it's the fact that you are born in Canada or immigrated here, whether it's the fact that you are licensed to drive here, whether it's the fact that you have a diploma from a certain university here, maybe a security clearance from a certain government organization here, you can see that a wallet could just be an accumulation of these attributes that make you, you. And these attributes could be used in a whole bunch of different ways. So now that we have somewhere to hold our digital ID, let's consider how we might actually use it. Digital ID makes life a lot easier for people. Let's start from access to services. A lot of services today, especially in the light of COVID, have transformed to be more digital for sure. A lot of services are maybe 95% digital, but that 5% is usually that upfront piece where you have to identify yourself in the first place. And how many times have you had to go into a place to show a paper copy of an ID or to you know, maybe interacting with the federal government where you have to wait for a code that comes in the mail and then identify that code online. It feels like the identification part is a barrier up front to getting that full digital service later. Even if the rest of it is digital, the first bit seems to be a bit of a pain. From a control perspective, digital identity certainly makes life easier for people as well. You will have the ability to share it and consent to sharing it and certain attributes of it with whoever you choose, whenever you choose. The biggest piece there is the ability to revoke it at any time as well. And so I think that type of control is what people are craving. Physical IDs or photocopies can be stored or shared without you ever knowing. But with a digital identity system in place, you'll always be able to know who has access to your information, how much of that information they see, and be able to revoke access if needed putting you in the driver's seat when it comes to your information security at all times. 
It will also make interacting with digital services easier and more flexible, which might be a real gift for those of us who tend to procrastinate on administrative tasks. Okay, this is paradise. I'm so glad we finally got away from that apartment. I felt like such a fraud putting that beach zoom background on. Now look at me, literally working from a screensaver. Mm-hmm. This breeze is everything right now. A few more emails and then we can go get ready for the waterfall tour. I was worried if we'd be able to see the island and still fit in work, but once again you've pulled it off, babe. My organizer extraordinaire. Well, one of us has to be organized. Mr. I received three reminders from the Ministry of Transportation to renew my license, but still haven't. Ugh, Elias, you're still on about that? Come on, you know me. I just can't relax knowing that your license might be expired by the time we land. You know, what bugs me is that you know exactly how this makes me feel. Like last month when you forgot your mom's birthday and I had to be the one running around making all the reservations last minute. Are you seriously on your phone right now? And it's done. What do you mean it's done? As in, I went into the government app while you were talking and renewed my license. It literally takes 30 seconds now through the provincial portal once you link it to your digital wallet. All this new technology is really doing wonders for your procrastination, isn't it? Canadians crave convenience. As consumers, we continue to raise our expectations of the organizations we choose to interact with. Here's KPMG's customer experience specialist, Katie Bola, sharing her thoughts on the six key pillars of providing customer experience excellence and how they extend into the realm of digital ID. It's integrity. Are you trustworthy and do you follow through on your promises? Resolution. How do you respond and fix potential customer issues, expectations, that's the managing and the meeting of those customer expectations, time and effort, creating seamless, easy experiences and processes for your customers, personalization, making individualized solutions, whether that's products, services, marketing communications, promotions, etc., that create an emotional connection with your customer. And then lastly, empathy understanding your customers, your users' circumstances, and building a true relationship with that customer. So now let's add the lens of digital ID to these six and how they interrelate. One, we talked about integrity. By providing and creating a digital ID, you are allowing control of privacy and security of that information. So an extra level of protection for customers. We talk about resolution. This in fact is related to that first point of security. And in fact, potentially even preventing issues from the first place by having access to more information than is required or storing information in a way that is prone to misuse and access. A digital ID helps to remedy that. Expectations. A lot of this is communicating and then following through with customers on what to expect. When we talk about time and effort, a digital ID lives on your mobile device and is ready to use where and when you need it. So it reduces the complexity and effort. I, for example, am a mother of three and I am very excited about having the potential to, at my fingertips, have and store my family's health cards, bank cards, etc. in a much more easy to access way. 
And then lastly, when we talk about personalization and empathy, understanding that customers would or should like more control over their information and then allowing the personalization of how that information is shared and with whom is an excellent way to help support that pillar of customer experience. At the end of the day, it all boils down to trust, gaining it and maintaining it. Customer trust or trust in general is a very important foundational element to a strong relationship. Customer trust or an individual's trust within an organization or another individual is often hard won but easily lost. And customer trust and the relationship can drive true loyalty. So when you trust a company or a product or a service, you're more likely to probably choose it more often and over others. So demonstrating your loyalty to that organization or that product or service, give them more of your money or time, provide more information about who you are or what you would like, potentially even altering your behavior because you'll just take their word for it. You'll likely recommend to others. So that's uh, advocacy that a lot of organizations are looking for. And ultimately, if I trust an organization and have a good relationship, I'm more likely to forgive or understand if there is an issue. And those are all key characteristics of any good relationship. So when you layer on top of it, then when we talk about digital ID, digital ID can help to signal that you are respecting the customer's information. You're only accessing what you need. Of course, when we talk about the Canadian customer or citizen, we're not just referring to able-bodied individuals with access to smart devices and fast internet connectivity. Digital identity adoption is underpinned by a few key principles that organizations will need to think about. First and foremost, inclusion and equity for all. That's Imran again. This has got to be a foundational principle of any digital identity strategy. There is already enough of a digital divide in this country If digital identity is done right, it can lessen the gap between the digital haves and have-nots and actually provide more seamless access to those that need it most. And Katie shares this very important opinion. It should be the equalizer for access to services for all Canadians. Things like offering the right learning and support resources so that those that might not understand the technology will know how to use it and in fact can realize that it's even simpler than what they do today. To design with the right accessibility requirements so that everyone has that opportunity to access. When you design a physical space, you think about those access points and whether, for example, a wheelchair can gain access. The digital ID implementation can be that bridge for inclusion and access. Many disadvantaged groups, when we talk about refugees, homeless, others that have lost or do not have access to physical documentation, a shareable digital ID will allow these groups to gain access to these services that perhaps they would otherwise have been declined for. Digital IDs could mean that a homeless individual could use a facial recognition scan along with a passcode to confirm their identity and secure a bank account or a place to live. This, of course, will need to go hand in hand with ensuring continued digital literacy for all groups. Here's a good time to pause for a second and address the elephant in the room. When the topic of digital identity comes up, People often raise concerns about privacy, and understandably so. 
Let us reassure you, and as you'll hear throughout this series, that when implemented correctly, digital identity will actually enhance privacy. It's in the best interest of both governments and citizens to embed necessary protections when building these systems in the first place. We'll address privacy more in Episodes 3 and 4, but in the meantime, let's consider the building framework for a pan-Canadian digital identity ecosystem through the lens of customer centricity. When you think about customer-centric approach or when you think about designing with the customer in mind, there's four key questions or considerations that are often top of mind. One, know me. Two, value me. Three, make it fun for me. And four, protect me. So when we think about digital ID, how do we integrate it into the ways that we interact and transact with our customers, how we can drive education and communication around the benefits, how can we drive adoption of a digital ID, how does it protect you as a consumer, because that can build trust and keep trust. Earlier in this episode, we considered the limitations of the current Canadian identity verification system. Now, having a stronger grasp of what digital identity is and some potential use cases, let's consider the bottom line. Digital identity is about empowerment for customers. Customers can now choose and have more control over their personal information. It's also protecting and empowering you as a brand because you're not getting access to extra personal information that could be subject to a breach or a loss or be called into question. So it's absolutely empowering for both businesses and individuals. So far, Canada has made great headway toward a digital ID-enabled future. The Digital ID and Authentication Council of Canada developed a pan-Canadian trust framework. The CIO Strategy Council created the standard on digital trust and identity. We saw the Digital Identity Laboratory of Canada come into existence, not to mention a number of provincial governments piloting landmark digital ID projects. We're on the right path, but we still have a long road ahead of us and a potentially perilous one. Join us in Episode 2 of our Destination Digital ID series, where we dive into the world of cybercrime and share what it'll take to protect our identities today, tomorrow, and beyond. I'm your host, Tamara Stanners, and you've been listening to Beyond, a KPMG cyber podcast.